Antarctica is the highest, driest, coldest, windiest, and emptiest continent on Earth. Every year, more than 400 scientists venture there to study everything from astronomy to microbiology. But they can't do it alone. It takes a small army of support staff to keep them all safe and fully operational. The Antarctic Sun podcast is a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes for the National Science Foundation to maintain the research stations and vessels that support ongoing science in the harshest continent at the bottom of the planet. This episode, Helo Ops. Morning, Lake Horror. This is Helo Ops. Good morning. We have beautiful weather out here. It's not even eight in the morning at the helicopter hangar, and already the place is abuzz with activity. I'm Megan Ware. I'm the Aviation Operations Coordinator. The small office overlooks the helicopter pad. From her desk, Megan can see the pilots and the technicians prepping the red and blue helicopters for a full day of flights. Inside, Megan and the rest of the team are busy organizing the day's flight schedule, where they'll be going, who they'll be transporting, what cargo they'll be bringing along, and the like. Well, today is kind of a big day. Uh, we've had quite a few weather delays that we're trying to catch up on, so a lot of projects have been pushed. Yep, we knew about the four nets and five leads, and we'll bring one shackle as well. Um, we've got several different groups going out, uh, anything from science groups that are doing research, taking samples, uh, to all the support personnel, um, carpenters and mechanics and things. There are no roads in Antarctica, so helicopters are the backbone for transporting people and cargo around much of the area close to McMurdo Station, known as the Near Field. They're used for science and for support. A Hilo Ops is the nerve center for all the helicopter operations out of the station. I'm Lindsay Steinbauer, and I'm the helicopter operations supervisor for McMurdo Station. Helicopters are particularly useful for uneven, complex landing areas, preventing the need for an airstrip to be able to access those locations. We can land in a lot of different places, and it just provides flexibility as far as where work can be done um, and what type of work can be done for these science groups. It's a significant operation, and multiple helicopters need to be able to fly at once to fulfill the more than 100 science and technical events that happen at McMurdo Station every year. There are five helicopters uh, contracted uh, through Petroleum Helicopters, Inc., or PHI, um, by the NSF, and... We fly four of them at any one time. We have two Eurocopter A-Star 350s and three Bell 212s. And these helicopters, they get put to a lot of good use. On average, we're working with probably um, 10 to 30 groups a day. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we're supporting, you know, um, 40 to 60 flights in a day. So uh, quite a lot of activity for us. Uh, annually, we usually support between 1,000 to 1,500 flight hours. Those helicopters fly all around the region. McMurdo Station is located on Ross Island, about 30 miles off the coast of the continent. And the island is also home to multiple penguin colonies, historic huts, communication towers, and Mount Erebus, the southernmost active volcano in the world. I'd say most of our work is done around Ross Island and the Dry Valley, specifically Taylor Valley and the Wright Valley. Um, but we all do work all over probably about a 60 to 80 nautical mile ring around the area. This is Mike Jansen, one of the helicopter pilots. Um, for the areas that we go to Ross Island, typically that's a lot of work up on Mount Erebus, which is high elevation for us, which presents challenges. Um, we get weight restricted as we go up to altitude. Um, and the LZs around Ross Island... I'm just going to jump in here and say LZ stands for landing zone. Because they're all covered in um, ice and crevasses that we have to be very picky with our LZs. The McMurdo Dry Valleys, located across the Ross Sea on the continent itself, 
are another frequent destination. They're one of the very few places on the continent not completely covered by ice. So scientists are particularly interested in the ecology of the region. The McMurdo Dry Valleys are also uh, one of our bigger geographic areas that we support. Um, lots of really important research going on out there and many groups that are working there at any one time. And the valleys are also home to some of the most beautiful areas on the continent. Everybody loves the Beacon Valley. Everybody loves university. It's uh, an area that we don't get to work in often, but it's uh, incredibly dramatic and beautiful. You get to see something new almost every day, and you get a little taste of all the different science projects that are going on in the area, and that's a lot of fun. Organizing and preparing for a successful science season is no small task. When not in Antarctica, Steinbauer spends months working out how best to plan for flights and allocate resources. It's obviously a long process, you know, um, the planning season is longer than the season itself. So um, taking, taking all the bigger picture requests and turning them into something that's workable for us uh, does, take, does take a while. In the summertime, I'll take the science proposals for the upcoming season and plug them all into our database, see how they fit into the bigger picture, and then modify the puzzle as needed. Over time, the hundreds of helicopter requests get organized into a working plan. Now, every evening, Lindsay sends out the following day's helicopter schedule to all the passengers scheduled to fly. But even after that's all printed up, it's hardly set in stone. Conditions can change almost instantly, and the team has to keep on top of what's happening throughout the region. It's the main topic at their daily morning meeting. We discuss what the weather for the day is supposed to be, what the weather currently is at all of the camps, and based on what the NSF's priorities are, we see what we'll be able to make happen. And let's see, we've got 3-1 Lima this morning. John is going to be bringing three folks out to the valleys. Um, he'll drop two of them off at F6 for an hour of ground time. Hopefully the weather holds. Visibility, cloud ceilings, um, and winds are our main factors as far as weather goes. This season especially, we've seen a lot of fog. Um, and so it's interesting, you know, McMurdo Station itself could actually be having really nice weather um, and just a couple miles out on the sea ice there's a long band of fog that um, our helicopters are not able to fly over. We can't fly over fog, we can't fly through fog so we have to find areas that are fogless um, and sometimes it's just a change of one or two degrees when there was no fog and suddenly there is fog and we have to work our way around that. It's very difficult to forecast weather in Antarctica. There aren't as many observation stations and many tools for the forecasters to use, so it's a big guessing game. If there's one thing we learned down here, um, it's that things are not going to go as planned. So um, anything that we do based out of McMurdo, we pretty much always need to have a contingency plan. Now it's not just weather that can blow a schedule. Mechanical problems can ground a helicopter as well. We work with older helicopters, so with that comes mechanical issues. You know, something breaks, um, even if it wasn't anybody's fault, it just might take two weeks to get apart, where in the States, you just make a phone call and somebody takes a hotshot truck and brings it right to you. So, uh, I'm Paul Anderson. I'm a uh, helo ops mechanic. That's a long time for a helicopter to lay idle, waiting to be fixed. So the idea is to do as much preventative maintenance as possible to keep them running in tip-top shape. Uh, so the main thing we do is we look at them every single day from top to bottom, and we call that a daily inspection. We go around the whole helicopter, we check the main rider head, we check all the fluids, we look at the engine and the transmission, make sure it's not leaking, the hydraulics aren't leaking. We get a fuel sample to make sure there's no contamination in the fuel. We look over the tail rotor. And if something does break, Helo Ops keeps a fully stocked garage with the tools and parts to make almost any needed repairs. 
While there are many resources available for fixing the machines on site, the remoteness of our work definitely presents some resource challenges. So the mechanics have to constantly adapt to the limitations they face and be creative in their work in order to keep things going. These machines need to be running smoothly at all times because Antarctica can be a dangerous place. If the helicopters aren't running safely, they don't fly. Safety is a, is a huge factor. It touches every step of every process that we do here. It comes from everything to um, how we start the helicopter, how we land the helicopter, how we load and unload passengers, um, what LZs we pick, what weather decisions we make. Um, it is the primary factor for everything that we do here. Before every flight, each passenger gets briefed on helicopter safety. Uh, pretty simple around the helicopter. The number one rule and the most important rule is never approach a helicopter from the tail section under any circumstances. Here one of the advantages is, is that we all realize how quickly things can change and how dangerous it could be if things went wrong. So we all play it very conservatively. We don't um, push schedules or push weather to get a mission done. Um, and I like that aspect of it. So it's important that you never go back behind the skid. The tail rotor... After the requisite safety talk, the passengers board the waiting helicopter and the pilots fly them to their destination. That's all for this edition of the Antarctic Sun podcast, and stay tuned for more. I'll be bringing you more behind-the-scenes looks at how the National Science Foundation gets science done at the bottom of the world. And check out our website at antarcticsun.usap.gov for more news and science from the frozen continent. Thanks for listening.